This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Imagine, it's got to be pretty exciting with your dad being a professional race car driver and then being a three-time champion. Is it fun? Well, yeah, lots of the times that people ask me, you know, kids pick on me at school or whatever. And I just like, um, you know, it's really nothing special. It's just a job my dad does. He could be a plumber, you know. It just, he's pretty good at what he does, and it's no, no different from anything else. is from every single racetrack. Flat, bank, short, paved. He probably would be one of them if they would run him on dirt. Running through every block. We cannot ever be stopped. Put that on everything. You gonna remember the name, remember the day. All of these cars contesting for the lead. Earnhardt closes ground. He's going to try the high side. Earnhardt going to turn three at 200 miles an hour. Winds it up, fires it in there. And it's Earnhardt going in front. This man, Dale Earnhardt, is successful. Up and over, number three. And for the 19th time. They're taping the hood on. The roll cage has been sandpapered. What a pile of grit. Earnhardt is in the car. He's barking instructions to the Give crew. respect. Hey, hey, hey. 20 years of trying. 20 years of frustration. Dale Earnhardt will come to the caution flag to win the Daytona 5. for the final time up the super stretch who will win the daytona 500 dale earnhardt jr at the bottom of the racetrack not clear keeps on the bud throws the block topside you're gonna do it you're gonna win it throws the block downstairs check the flag you win dale earnhardt jr has won the daytona 500 oh yeah Woo! Uh, hey give me respect hey hey put me your neck uh, give me respect yeah, hey man we hey, want it hey. i can't believe it i cannot believe it <laughs> How's everybody doing? <laughs> yeah, you clap if you want. Somebody's ready. <laughs> Who is that? Yeah, we need to take you everywhere with us, right? Well, that was a nice intro there. I yeah, it was. was good. So good uh, this is a sort of a Daytona preview of the Dale Jr. Download uh, presented by uh, Chevrolet. This is a special edition that will go out tonight to uh, all our listeners on uh, Dirty Mo Media. And uh, you guys are basically, I think, the first live audience that we've ever yeah. recorded in front of in the last two years. So, <laughs> no pressure, but yeah. we have big hopes for you guys. Absolutely. All right. So don't let us down. But um, we're here at the Chevrolet Experience Center. It's um, awesome. It is. This usually uh, this used to be Victory Lane. So um, basically, right out there where those Corvettes are all sitting on that little piece of asphalt right there is a it's kind of hallowed ground. I, a lot of amazing things, celebrations happened right in that space right there. I was fortunately part of a few of them, um, but even before my career, uh, just imagine all the Daytona 500 winners coming through those pylons right there, cruising in and um, and parking their car where all you know all the people that came out here for that race weekend wanted to be. Um, you know the celebration. Uh, would commence right here, and the fact that Chevrolet uh, is is you know this has become the Chevrolet experience is sort of fitting with Chevrolet's involvement in motorsports uh, over over all the decades that it's been in this sport. But it's neat that it, it's sort of preserved uh, this historic landmark. I love the history of of 
NASCAR and I love the history of our sport and the, and the personalities and all the great things that have happened in in this sport. So it's cool that as this track gets renovated and as tracks across the country continue to, continue to modernize, some things are preserved uh, much like the uh, the facade in the front of this building. If you walk out on the, on the asphalt right there and you look back up in the second floor, I remember coming into this victory lane and sort of that, you know, that that view of of this building and, and being sort of surrounded, you know, even though there were, you know, hundreds of thousands of people here for the race, you felt like everybody was here in Victory Lane when the race was over with. Um, and you celebrate with your team, but it was a lot of fun. So great to be here. They had like grandstands sort of yeah. like, like built up, and it was it, they were steep, and so you felt like you were in a – Yeah, you're looking at some li- photos right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's this, 2004 right there. What this area used to look like. So it's pretty cool, and, and we're, it, it's kind of neat because we're doing a show about that. We're doing a show about going back to some of these old racetracks, and, and uh, so being here in this victory lane sort of takes you back, and, and uh, we got a lot of guests that are kind of coming on the show today. That's right. Jimmy Johnson is going to be on. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is going to be on the show. We don't have our infamous table. Uh, in front of us like we usually do. Because it would move everybody out because the table takes up about this entire, you know, our typical studio table. It so would. We, uh, we, we couldn't get it down here. But we hope to bring the same sort of uh, fun, conversational, honest uh, interview and, and, and experience that we, we typically uh, give on the Dale Jr. Download. Jim Campbell's going to be coming on the show, uh, U.S. Vice President of Performance and Motorsports for Chevrolet. I've known Jim in a long time. It would be great to talk to him about some things. Chip Wild is going to come on as well. Uh, who's the uh, the promoter at Daytona International Speedway? Wait, I mean the president. I mean you have promoter. I would the call president. him. The, I call him the promoter because that's his job. <laughs> is to sell tickets, and that's what promoters do. Uh, and he's done an amazing job. Uh, Chip's got a great story. We'll ask him about that. He's got some great things too to tell us about this particular race and this race weekend. Um, and our pollster, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., is well, going to come by. And we have a late add-on on the guest list. We do. Uh, a friend of mine, Tim Duggar, country music artist in Nashville, has got a new record out, and he's going to come on and tell us a little bit about that right at the very back end of the show. And we'll give us, uh, we'll give us uh, everybody a listen. I don't know if we can actually play it in here, but um, for the folks listening on the, uh, the podcast, they'll get a, a little tease of some of his music coming out. So it's going to be a good show. Hey, the other thing I want to say, and th- this is for you guys, uh, it, you know, if you guys have a question and you want to ask, you know, this is going to be kind of a personal, this is an intimate type of thing here. So, you know, Leah Vaughn right there, wave Leah. She's going to have a microphone. Listen, we're gonna, we'll get to your question, and uh, we'd love to have a conversation with you. And that's even if Jimmy's up here, um, you know, just feel free to do that. You don't have to, you know, but uh, that, keep that in mind as we go along. Leah, where did you get that shirt? That's part of the new Dirty Mo Media lineup of shirts. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I can't wait till they're available for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have one. That is he, the he, does, he doesn't have that one. That is yet. the coolest shirt ever. He, 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 you like I it? I still got all the old Dirty Mo radio stuff back so, before you. you know, okay, you. so there's a lot that Dale Jr. doesn't know about that we'll go ahead and tell him. All right. So first of all, we have a uh, completely new website, and in that website, it has a new store, and in that store, it has a bunch of new Dirty Mo Media shirts. And everybody that's listening to this bonus podcast tonight can go to DirtyMoMedia.com and you can check out yeah. uh, all these new lineups. Like and just so you can get it before Dale Jr. even does. That's right. <laughs> I love stuff like that. It's just basic, plain, right to the point. That might have been uh, you know, considered when we were designing them, frankly. Because oh. if we put Dale Jr. on it anywhere, he won't wear it. Nope. I mean, now, it's kind of the catch-22. You remember the guys that used to wear their, their belts with the name on it? 
That's no. Like, that's Who like, did that? That's kind of like you, I think. Didn't you have one? <laughs> I think you no. had a you had a belt with Mike on it. No, no you never didn't. had a belt with Mike on yes, it. Yes, you did. No, I did. But or was it on the buckle? <laughs> Yes, because I'm a buckle wearer. No, for real. No, you know who I, I would think does that? Richard Petty or Dale Earnhardt? Uh, did did Dale? Did your dad ever wear a belt with his name on it? No, I doubt it. All right, but you I think would. that we all did as little kids, though. Remember, I think we all had that little belt that had it, it stenciled in there. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But listen, it, but I think what we're saying is you did. But apparently that was one of your phobias because you won't wear anything with your name on it now. Well, I think it's bad it's, form. No, I got it. Yeah. It is. It's, it's weird, right? It is. Some people, some drivers, and I ain't going to name them, some have no problems with it. No. But you do. So Noah Gregson. So <laughs> <laughs> I was just, just thinking of names <laughs> on the top of my head that might uh, wear their own. St- Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace. So, I mean, it's it, I think it depends on exactly what it is. If it's like a logo, like I wear a junior motorsports logo. That's yeah, sort that of doesn't count. Don't count? No, but you won't wear it if it has your signature on it. Yeah. You know, that, that, uh, that logo, that no. signature. So, so anyways, the Dirty Mo Media shirts. I mean, yep. look at this. Uh, even Jason Schultz has a dirty. I don't have these either, by the way. Yeah. So they've got their Dirty Mo stuff. You could go get it. Uh, he's, got the, it's, he's got what is called, I think, the quarter zip. So I didn't even know what a quarter Jason, zip was. Jason, yeah. Where did you get it? Laura. Lori. <laughs> I, Lori. I didn't even know what a quarter zip was until I got into broadcasting. Apparently, that's, really? where, bro- that's where the quarter zips uh, congregate is in broadcasting. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. Well, that, a lot of quarter I, zips out there in broadcast world. But, but maybe there is. That's not where they started, but I, no. that's where they are implemented. Quite I'm a not a quarter zip fan. No, no, you enjoy your quarter so zip. So you aren't going to have to leave now? No. I don't like V-necks either. You like V-necks, Mike? No, I don't think I have one. Yeah. But listen, I'm not knocking, not, not knocking anybody that has one. I mean, I Why, don't look we, out the don't, audience. What do you I don't worry want, about everybody's feelings for? I don't know. We're doing I feel a show. Like it's, I feel a little insulting uh, if it could be. This you know, is your. This is what doing a l- show in front of a live audience yeah, is about. Yeah, you're right. we got to keep your honesty. you got to keep your honesty. Be genuine. All right, so are we going to bring a guest on? Can yeah, we, can we get uh, to it? Yeah, who's here, Matthew? We got Jim. Jim, Jim Campbell. Campbell. Let's bring Jim out here. Let's give him a round of applause because without him, we would not be here. This is an honor. Well, thanks for uh, coming to the uh, Chevrolet Experience Center. I heard you get, talking about the uh, what a special place it is, and that's, that's kind of why we wanted to be here. It's yeah. so special. There's no doubt about it. So did you guys have, like, an intention of sort of maintaining that historic, uh, you know, feel of this building, uh, the landmark, the victory lane. Did you guys yeah. – because y'all didn't really change a whole lot to we didn't. what it, it looks like from the outside. Yeah, for the basic structure we changed was more on the inside. It was just offices. It was a little bit uh, kind of run down. Yeah. Uh, and, but we wanted to keep victory lane looking like it is, the, you know, kind of the monument that celebrates uh, the different wins and uh, make it feel like the old winter circle, and that's what we've done here, I think. And uh, it's just great to have the fans, our customers and the race fans come here and uh, be part of it, uh, and also see some of our cool products. So I see some products out there, some new Corvettes. Got the new Corvettes. Uh, we have uh, two coupes and one convertible. You can sit in, sit in those, check it out. Uh, we have our new uh, Silverado heavy-duty tr- uh, pickup truck with the Duramax diesel Nelson transmission, which I love. Mm. I work on trucks in the other part of my job, and, of course, we had Camaro ZL1 here, which will be racing ZL11 LE this season. So uh, it's uh, fun for the fans to come and check out uh, Old Winter Circle, and also have a chance to see our products. And you know uh, you know this place, Daytona 500, right? 
2004, you celebrated sure. right here. Yeah, yeah that's 2004. Very special. So the mid-engine Corvette, how's the response been from uh, from the supporters? You got, I mean, the Corvette fans are a, a cult, you know, and they, they are, uh, you know, there's people uh, that buy a Corvette every year. There's, you know, there's these, they ride around, they meet in clubs and so forth. So they're very passionate oh, about yeah. the car. And so you made a major, major shift in, in, making the car a mid-engine car. And so what's the reception been? I, mean, I was here for the 24 hours. It's really the first time that I got a really good look at the mid-engine car. And I thought it makes an amazing looking race car. Uh, when you, you know, when you see it by itself, it's one thing, but out on the track against mm -hmm. the rest of the competition and the, all, all the other manufacturers, it was really stark and beautiful. But uh, what's the response been from your uh, from your seat? Yeah, well, um, first of all, we were a little concerned. Uh, there are some uh, so much passion on a Corvette, as you said, and there's people that like uh, the engine up front and they like mm -hmm. that uh, certain uh, style of the Corvette. Uh, but I'm really excited to tell you that the Corvette uh, uh, owners and fans have really uh, gotten a chance to see the car, learn about it, and so many have actually put in orders for it. So I'm really excited about what's happening, and the response has been unbelievable. And then there's people that have never owned a Corvette that have uh, come to check it out and they can do it here obviously this weekend and here for the 24 hours of Daytona we had quite a crowd there was probably four or five deep uh, for almost the whole weekend so really good uh, really good response one thing um, for over 65 years uh, the chief engineer chief engineer first chief engineer was Zora Arkastantov and he always had a vision to try to take this car to a mid-engine so they created different um, concept vehicles to test out mid-engine Serve One uh, was one of them. We actually own that in our collection and, and others to really test out the dynamics of putting the engine, uh, you know, a mid-engine configuration. And so we're so excited that it's, uh, it's here and we're racing it and we're going to be selling it uh, here shortly in the showrooms. So there's a car sitting behind us. Yeah. Um, we've seen pictures of this car. Tell us, Beautiful. you wanted to talk about this. Now, I don't even know the story. I know a lot about the history in, of, of this sport, but I don't even know the history of this particular car. So tell us about this. Yeah, well, this, uh, this is a 55 Chevy. Uh, it was the 150 model, which was the lowest trim. It had the least amount of content on it, so it was the lightest weight. And, of course, as racers, we want low mass and high horsepower. And under the hood is, uh, it was uh, 1955. It was the first time we brought the Chevrolet small block to market, and we wanted oh, to yeah. race it. So Smokey Unic, of course, his garage was here in Daytona, uh, and he was an amazing kind of self-taught engineer. Uh, he was an innovator. He knew how to make speed between the chassis and the engine, and he did just that. And this car was driven by Herb Thomas, and they took it to the uh, Southern 500 in uh, Darlington in, in Labor Day of 55, Labor Day weekend, and they won the race. So it was really the beginning of over 780-some uh, wins for Chevrolet in, in NASCAR, and all with a version of the small block V8. So this car is very, very special. Where wow. does this car stay? Typically. This is this is a replica, by the way. We created it as a tribute okay. to that moment, uh, and it stays in our Heritage Center in the Detroit area. Okay. And so we brought it down here and wanted to share it with the race fans, and it's pretty special. The Heritage Center. So was that something that fans can go see? You know, uh, we, we open it up to uh, uh, kind of private tours. We open up to a lot of groups that are raising money for great causes and uh, fundraisers. We do that. And then, it, it, you know, when we come for the Dream Cruise is one of the big events in the Detroit area. We get a lot of... Uh, passionate, uh, you know, car people that want to come by and check it out so they can make an appointment and, and check out our collection. We have over 800 units of, of very special uh, Chevrolets and many of our other brands in that collection. We display about 250 at one time. Yeah. And so I know we're talking about this car for the podcast listeners. We'll put it on our social media and our internet, uh, our website, so uh, you can see because it's beautiful. you got to look at it. Chevrolet's building a new tech center in Charlotte. That's yes. pretty exciting news. Um, you know, we – 
from my perspective as a, as a driver, owner, uh, my involvement in NASCAR, this to me signifies a, a, a step forward in commitment to motorsports and, our, and Chevrolet's future success in motorsports. Is that true? Can you tell us about the Tech Center yeah. and what it's going to mean to, uh, to Chevrolet and to motorsports yeah. in general? Well, it's, it, it's definitely uh, something that's very important to us. Uh, uh, performance and racing has been part of our history from the very beginning. Louis Chevrolet was the co-founder of the company. The guy loved racing. Yeah. Him and his brothers raced. That's what they did. And so here we are 100 years plus later, and we're still racing and have passion for it. So this is going to be in uh, the Concord, uh, North Carolina area, 75,000 square feet. And we'll, uh, we'll just centralize all of our engineering to support our racing platforms. NASCAR, obviously, it's the home of many of the race teams, so we'll be able to support them very closely. In addition to that, we'll support our IndyCar program. Uh, IMSA, we run with both Cadillac and the Corvette and uh, sports car and our NHRA uh, drag race programs. We also support Holden over in Australia. So that's wow. what we'll do there. It's going to be a great Charlotte. place. Uh, that's where we'll do it, right out of this uh, center here. We'll have you know uh, uh, two driver-in-the-loop simulators. We'll have our aero group there. We'll have setup plates. Uh, we're, gonna, uh, we're just building it out, beginning that process right now. So later this year, we'll start to actually put people in there and start doing work there. That's impressive. You guys, you guys just announced this a couple of weeks ago, so that's still relatively new news, right? It was, yeah. We announced it. Uh, we bought the building in December and uh, just announced it here about uh, 30 days ago, so we're, we're excited about it. But, hey, uh, Chevrolet and NASCAR, um, we, we go together. We have an amazing history together, and this is a commitment that we want to be around for a long, long time. You just mentioned Holden. Um, I remember going to, uh, to Australia back around 2000. Six or 2008 yeah. for a visit and um, you know I was a big fan of V8 supercar because it's kind of the closest thing to stock car racing or NASCAR over in Australia and I had no idea that even then that Holden was Holden's connection to Chevrolet mm -hmm. it's basically the Chevrolet over in Australia and uh, I ended up um, y'all had they had a car that was so similar what what eventually I think became the SS here mm -hmm. in, in NASCAR and they had a car over there that uh, became the Pontiac G8. Mm -hmm. And I bought a G8 and, tra and ordered all the stuff, I think legally, from Australia <laughs> to change the car into a Holden. Uh, but, you know, so how, so how does, do you know much about the history of Holden and the connection to Chevrolet? Or, because from, I guess, explain, I guess, so, so Ford has... Fords in Australia, mm -hmm. but Chevy is Holden. So, so explain to me kind of how that works. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, as a, our, our parent company is General Motors, and that, and we have so many uh, brands underneath of it: Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, Cadillac here in North America, and uh, Holden's in Australia, and, and we have other brands around the world. And so, uh, at one point, General Motors acquired the Holden brand, yeah. and they were kind of uh, in Australia. You know when so, that was? I don't know the exact date of it, but uh, they have always had a performance passion. Yeah. And uh, they love racing, so it kind of it's very uh, common to what we feel here at Chevrolet: passion for racing, passion for performance, and amazing support from uh, the the owner base and then the fan base at the races is incredible. I love the Holden brand, and when I went to Australia, I was so surprised at their passion for autom the automobile and how they how they perceive and and do the automobile. They do it really well. The one thing that um, I got my wife a '66 El Camino um, for. Uh, for Christmas, but it, it was something that she'd wanted for a long time, and I was just trying to find the right sort of time to give it to her. And uh, there's not been an El Camino in in uh, production for many, many years. They have a ute, is what it's called, over in Australia. And I just saw a tweet. Uh, uh, Ray Evernham is on a, on a trip, trip to Australia. <laughs> yeah. I'd seen the ute before, and they race them. It's basically 
kind of a pickup truck mm -hmm. lowered to the ground. It's a bit of a, uh, a quasi El Camino version mm -hmm. pickup truck. Uh, got a nice motor underneath it. And, uh, but it looks really, really cool. They raced them in Australia, and I think Ray stumbled onto it for the first time and was like, whoa, this thing's really cool. Any, any plans or any ever, has there ever been any talk about bringing the ute stateside? You know, it, I would say about every six months we talk about oh, it. Oh, no. really? So, Are you serious? But, I uh, knew it. But, uh, but, but I would say for, for our market here, <laughs> uh, we, ma we made the investment in the bed in our, uh, in our midsize pickup, which would be the Chevrolet Colorado, yes. and then we've got the off-road version, ZR2 and ZR2 Bison. So that's our play here, and actually the market for that is probably bigger than it would be for uh, kind of an El Camino, return right. of El Camino. But it is a cool vehicle. There's a lot of passion for it. And it's interesting. We go to SEMA every year, and there are fans, customers that get to SEMA from Australia, and they're passionate about holding, and they love cars and modifying cars. And I see them in, in places like SEMA all, all the time, yeah. all the time. And I, I love the Colorado. Too. I drove one. Uh, we, I got a dealership in Tallahassee, and I, I uh, got a Colorado for about six months. Man, I put the rack on the on the roof with a tire, and I had that thing decked out like I was going to run the one th the Baja 1000. Uh, it reminds me. I used to say so when I turned 16 years old, my first car was an S10. Uh, single cab S10 with a Tahoe package, and uh, I had Ray Everham and his guys who, who do a little bit of oddball work on the side restore an S10 for me just like my, my little 1988 truck, um, and the Colorado reminds me of the S10. Mm -hmm. It's sort of, you know, a, a, a small pickup truck, easy to navigate, easy to park, uh, great for a 16-year-old kid who, <laughs> who doesn't have a ton of experience out on the highway. Uh, but I love that truck, man. I'd love to see the Ute come, though. I, I have, I'm, I'm, I believe that I'm going to see it before, uh, before too long. You guys are going to bring that Ute over here, and 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 fans are going to love it. Him, him talking about these, uh, you know, trucks that he takes ownership of. I mean, you bring him to an appearance in Texas. Oh yeah. And next thing I know, oh, he's man. he's ordering himself a Silverado. <laughs> Do you remember this? <laughs> well, I remember uh, Dale was good enough to bring his S10 that he talked he about. He brought it. That's right. To Texas Motor Speedway. We had all of our uh, kind of our best Chevrolet Silverado owners and truck owners from all of our brands there to just have a weekend together. Uh, Dale surprised them, brought his S10, yeah. and had a chance to – we talked trucks all weekend, talked racing. Uh, we had some of our race car drivers give hot laps, and uh, then we debuted the new uh, 2019 all-new Silverado, and we debuted it with a truck called LT Trail Boss, which uh, has a, we did a uh, two-inch lift from the factory. We've been watching this trend for a long time, and you know it well. Mm -hmm. Customers are buying the pickup trucks, and they're going out and lifting these trucks on their own. So we said, well, why don't we get in that game and, uh, and really integrate it well? So we had a two-inch lift, and we adjusted the half shafts, and it's just, it's a beautiful uh, vehicle, and I think that's one you ended up I ordering. I do. I have a Trail Boss. It's <laughs> when I, so you did fly it in on a helicopter, so it's sort of, <laughs> that was, that would have sold it to anybody. Um, so, but this, I, you know, I've owned a lot of pickup trucks in, in my time. Um, but I hadn't seen, for me, this, is, this new Silverado, the character lines, are, that's what's important to me. That's why I love cars like uh, uh, the 76 Laguna, just the body okay. character lines on those type of cars. This really reminded me a lot of, of that, and it has some just a really good look to it. Um, and I kind of also, when I would buy pickup trucks from you guys, um, the last truck that I got, I still have it. Uh, I call it <laughs> Big Red, but because I did lift right. it, I, I lifted it up, put big tires on it. I, I used to take and strip all the all the um, emblems and stuff off of it, and 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 uh, basically get the body as bare as I could. 
and that's basically what this trail boss looks like to me. It's very, the paint, it's just all red paint down the side, really beautiful, not a lot of trim and, and pieces added. Uh, just a really good, clean, clean look. But when it was flying in on a helicopter, I was like, man, I gotta have one of those. <laughs> I haven't, you know, I have, I've had this old uh, 2004 pickup truck, full-size truck forever, and hadn't bought a brand new truck in so long. And I'm like, this is the one. It was just like, see, it was talking to me. So, um, <laughs> but I'm, I, so I'm glad, I love this. It's such a different truck from, from the it previous is, version. It it's so, so, so cool. So I'm glad you guys, Thank you for getting yeah, it. I'm glad you guys brought that out. Um, I couldn't make up my mind there for a while. I was, had, I was driving to Colorado, then I was going to get the full-size truck, waiting on the ute. You guys, about everything you make, I want to buy. So I think it's good, a good idea to get one of each. That's what I'm <laughs> I think that's yeah. what we're trying to say here is that just go ahead and Thank get you. one. Just go ahead. I got a garage you full of it. Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> well, but, hey, that lifted truck, what you did early on, that's exactly the trend. Yeah. We picked it up from guys like you. We watched it at SEMA. We watched it aftermarket. And we said, let's get in the game and do it from the factory. And so it's been pretty successful. Oh, there's, there was a, some inspiration there. I do, yeah, but really, I, we watched that trend happen over four or five years, yeah. and we're like, we <laughs> got to get in. So we did it. Yeah. Before we let you go, because I know we're going to run out of time here, but we got a little piece of hardware behind us. It's, it's trophy, and it, it's mighty shiny. And I'll tell you what, Chevrolet drivers have won that thing more than anybody else. So uh, what do you got to tell yeah, us about Yeah, well, I, it's really special, and, and uh, obviously, Dale, you've had a chance to uh, – hoist that trophy a couple times uh, here in this winter circle, the old winter circle yep. in 04, and he did it again uh, in 2014 uh, driving the Chevrolet SS. It was very special. And what I, what's unique about uh, our company and that trophy is our very first design chief was a guy named Harley J. Earl. Oh, yeah. And so uh, he <laughs> actually loved, uh, he loved design, but he loved performance. He loved racing. And he became friends with uh, Bill France, and he actually became the second commissioner of NASCAR. He loved racing. And so I, at one point, Bill France uh, uh, created this Harley J. Earl trophy. There's a lot of mutual respect between those two guys. And on top is a vehicle that Harley J. Earl's design team created called Firebird Concept. And that is uh, in our collection. Uh, they created it, and that is the inspiration for what's on top of this trophy. And so what uh, Dale hoisted in both those winter circle uh, is a connection back to our company, and the Harley J. Earl is original designer from, from GM. Yeah, so when I went to Detroit to the Heritage Center, I stood next to that car. The Firebird 1? Yes. Firebird 1, that's right. We had Dale up along with other Chevrolet winners. Oh, there's a picture of it. I there did it is not, right there. Yeah, I did not know <laughs> that I would ever see that car in person. You know, I mean, you right. see it on you top it of the, the trophy, trophy. Right. all the time. You're like, you know, that I don't even know where that car is and if it, it really truly exists. Uh, but to be able it to exists. actually be right be there and be next to it. I, we, we, I stood around that car for 15 minutes looking over it. That was pretty <laughs> cool. That was great. We had Dale up for a, a, a Chevrolet Champions event, winners of marquee races like the Daytona 500 and all drivers champions. And uh, that was pretty special to get yeah. that picture. Uh, thanks for bringing that win to Chevy and, and, and getting that picture. Um, that's pretty special. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Jim, for coming on, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you allowing us to use the, the Chevrolet uh, Center here in, in Daytona International Speedway. Uh, for our show today, and I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. Hope, hopefully Chevrolet's going to cross the finish line first on Sunday. That is the goal. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, sir. And here he comes. Oh, look here. here like he clockwork. Here he is. Jimmy Johnson, everybody. He's like me now that he's in retirement. He just comes on out whenever he it's feels like coming show. out. <laughs> what are they going to do? What are we going to do? Tell him he can't yeah. come out? Exactly. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. How you doing today? I'm I'm good. I haven't had much sleep, yeah, so I'm looking forward busy. to napping. You have been busy, busy. So you went on a bike ride. I know it was like 40, 35, 40 miles. Yesterday. Right? Yep. 
Yeah, a little bit of a, uh, work this morning with Jeff. I did. I started at 7. I have a photographer that I have in town. You might remember some. You, uh, what, you have a photographer everywhere you go. I love pictures, man. How many man? photographer buddies do you have? <laughs> a lot. Because you'll be like, a lot. I got this photography buddy. He wants to come over Oh, to the yeah, house. we've got another one. I got one. this other photography buddy. <laughs> I got a photography buddy. Every, about every two conversations I have with Jimmy well, starts my, with I've got a photography buddy. My wife owning an, an art gallery yeah. and it specialized in photography initially, um, yes. That's how that happened? Uh, yes, a lot yeah. of pictures. So you've been busy. And I like archiving everything. Like I, I honestly, I've had probably 15 photographers over the last 10 years, random tracks, random times, and someday it'll be a nice picture book. Yep, <laughs> that's right. It will be. We had a lot of conversations uh, about your, uh, you know, your career and and when when to call it uh, an end, and 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 uh, we had a lot of great conversations. But here you are. You started the process. You, you're you're going through speed weeks, the beginning of the season, media day. All those things that you do every single year, what has it been like on this particular trip that's felt different? What is the emotion? What is what is the experience been like sure. for you as opposed to the, the, the years before that were kind of just going through, you know, you're in the grind and here we are yeah. again, going to start the year. It's got to feel different. I'm excited. Yeah. And you're going to love this. Um, I'm literally walking out of the production day in Charlotte whose text comes in and says, hey, that's your last one. Right here. Like <laughs> yeah. he, he, he knows what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing right now. And in like his timing's perfect. It's well, because I'm walking out of the Charlotte production day. I know because, you know, I, he can't hide his giddiness when he doesn't have to go through oh. the monotony, right? <laughs> like right. So, so like what are we in year three or four of, of, of his retirement and we come to Speed Weeks and I ain't going to lie, there's a little level of satisfaction when, when other drivers are still having to go through go like through the it. media days. And I got to be honest. I didn't know this until just now. There's even more satisfaction knowing that one of your obligations is us now. <laughs> you know, well, that's fair. Even that's if fair. it's the last time that you're going to be doing this as a full-time driver. But, yeah. um, but, but you got to be kind of like, all right, this is the part you're going to enjoy. You got to soak it in, right? For sure. The, the excitement is so high. And what's, what's been really neat is to see the energy and optimism and purpose my family, my core group of people on the race team, all of Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, we are, we've always been unified, but there's just like a, I don't know, just something different about it. It has more meaning. It's more special. And that just raises the excitement. What's his, what's this year going to be like for him now that he's announced his, his retirement? Like, is he going to go to team debriefs and be like, man, I just got a few more months of these and I'm out. No, no, no. <laughs> it will be completely different. So, uh, for, well, I, if it's anything like mine, <clears throat> Jimmy's, such a unique guy he may have a whole different experience but if it's anything like mine those are the moments you're going to start to pace yourself through and 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 allow to run its course the we would go to the racetrack throughout my whole career and I just I kind of dreaded Friday morning practice uh, you know I kind of dreaded going through happy hour it was a necessary sort of thing that had to get done and it, it was it was work and you wanted the car to get better, and you knew the potential to be frustrated about that. And it was, you know, it was just try. It was, it was all just part of the process. Nothing that you enjoyed. You enjoyed the race. You enjoyed the result. You enjoyed celebrating and and success. You really typically didn't experience any of that in practice or or qualifying. Um, those were just sort of hurdles throughout the weekend to get to the fi- finish line. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the final year. 
I was sitting there, and uh, I don't. It was early in the year, like first couple races, and I was sitting there during a practice on Friday morning and watching the guys work on the car. And I was like, "Man, I'm gonna miss this." I couldn't believe it that I was feeling that way because I hadn't really liked it or thought ever to, thought, to, <laughs> thought to even enjoy it, you know. Sure. But I was sitting there going, "I'm really gonna miss us trying to make the car faster." The part I, I thought it was gonna be the drive in the race and the and the 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 challenge trying to win a race. But it's really the other things that I'm going to miss. It, you know, it, it's, it's the camaraderie and us trying to fix a tight center. Things yep. that annoyed the hell out of you <laughs> are the ones that are going to sort of stand out. And you're going to, man, I'm not going to get to work with my guys on, in an hour practicing yeah, anymore. Yeah, that bond that we have with our crew guys, I mean, we have all see it in, in stick and ball sports. There's the locker room, and, you know, that's, that's the place. Like, we, we have that. I don't yeah. think – Sadly, it's been shared broadly or widely enough that that really takes place. But I feel like just initially, and I'm only, you know, a couple of weeks into this, like at the track thing, just looking around, you know, seeing my guys, knowing where their heart is, knowing how hard they want to try to help me have, you know, the best year ever this year. And those, that, that relationship, I mean, I, I think there's a lot in that that's, yeah. that I'm going to miss. We started, a, we got in a group chat program and started a group chat with every road guy and, and crew member from our 2017 team, and we were in, we were chatting in it today um, as a way to kind of continue that That's communication awesome. and, and prolong that connection that we all have with each other. And we don't do as much as we should together as far as going out to eat and so forth, but we still have that group chat to be able to uh, talk to each other. And, and a lot of it's funny because you, your picture with that group of guys is still in the 88 transporter, by the way. Really, it's still framed and on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> no what, you, yeah. what was that picture? What do you mean? You guys had a picture. There's a car in it, and yeah. the whole team is standing there. And, you know, we oh, have our team debriefs in that transporter often. Shit. And uh, it it's still up there. That's like, cool. Greg, Greg and the guys. What are do you think like Alex <laughs> Bowman thinks about that? <laughs> I hope he's all right with it. Um, the one thing that's, it, that's interesting, and I'll, 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 I'll sort of pre warn you about, is you, in my mind, or in maybe in Jimmy's mind, when you think that you're retiring and this unit will just continue with someone else, they don't. Right now, some of them do, but I mean, even just in a few years, a few of those guys sort of peel away, and and they're going to go do something else, or they're going to join a different team, or maybe they're out of the sport entirely. And I think that that was the best. We didn't realize it at the time, but creating that chat is was we was no way we were going to be able to con- yeah. keep that co- you know unit together in communication because everybody just sort of splintered, and and a lot of them are still on the team, but a lot of t- a lot of guys have moved on to different things and. Um, it's interesting how much you don't realize how much is changing within your team while you're there. Sure. Right. No, that's guys come and go, guys come and go. But man, when you, when you finally leave the nest, uh, and then you run into those, that group or that core group down the road and you realize some of the guys aren't there anymore, you know, or they're on, they're wearing another uniform or a different team's uniform. There's a, it's going to be a good experience though this year. You're going to enjoy it. I know you guys are working hard trying to improve on what you did last year. You seem pretty excited about that. You got a new car. Yeah. I'm hearing so many good things about this car. Tell me why you guys are so positive on the new Camaro. I think when we look at the bulk of the tracks that we race on the 550 package, um, as the year went on, we got to a, a point where uh, we would trim the car out, something that you hear in IndyCar and, and maybe here at Daytona and Talladega, but uh, there's not enough power to push that big old sled through the, through the air. And we just found that last year, in order to get to the lower trim levels, it just came at such a big sacrifice for car balance. Um, this new vehicle that we have, the new Camaro that's out, 
um, it's just better balanced for those moments. We, yeah. can, we can trim it out and still keep the arrow percentages right and where we need them. For a fan, though, and, and, and I'll include myself in this group, when I look at the car, it looks the same. Yeah. Right? Are there some nuances within the character lines or body of the car that are different? Yeah, I think largely, and you'll know this term, but the center of pressure is moved back, so there's more rear downforce in the car. And when you look at the, uh, like the rear quarter panels and the shelf that leads to the spoiler, that's, that's a bit wider and has a bit more shape to really direct the air and get it to attach to the spoiler. Right. It, I mean, it sounds like that's something that's important to me. I mean, you're talking about him. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's good, right, Jimmy? Is that what you're saying? That's, that's all good. good. Yeah. That's what we think. More downforce. Yeah. More downforce. <laughs> that's right. Well, well, what's wild is we've always put downforce in cars at the expense of drag because we had oh, eight, yeah. 900 horsepower engines that would pull it. Right. But the 550 package, it won't pull yeah. it. You know, and that's when we look at where we started at the beginning of the year to even mid-season, um, the whole garage area was trying to figure out where to be. And then where things netted out, we at, at Hendrick felt like the high downforce tracks where we'd run max side skirt height and have the rear end of the car up, we were very competitive to the competitors. But when you go to Michigan and those guys are dropping the back of the car, we didn't have the right aero balance to really support that. So the, um, the word got out or, or, or some, you know, you've, you've made it known that beyond this year you plan to continue to race. Um, and, y and you've spoken a little bit about running some IndyCar stuff. Uh, is, are you in the f middle of planning any of those relationships and, and, and any, of those, any, what, any of the racing that you want to do in the future? Are you in the middle of really making concrete plans to do some of those things, or are, the, are these just sort of uh, casual conversation at this point? Right now it's only been casual, and there's been a, uh, a great reception in the IndyCar space and sports car sports car racing here in IMSA and even worldwide. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as the year goes on, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll develop more of a plan and hopefully get a chance to try some cars and see what I even think. You know, some right. of these cars I've never even driven in. So I want to try that first before I commit to something. So you um, want to go drive the car, test the car before you actually say, yeah. Yeah, I'm I think in. I should. That's right. not oh, a absolutely. bad idea. That's probably not a bad idea. For sure. <laughs> go on a first date, you know, hang out, get to know each other a little see bit. See if there's going to be a second date. <laughs> <laughs> we've asked you on the show. Uh, you were on the show last year, and, and, and you gave us a good answer. But um, what's in that list? We, we heard road courses in Indy. Why road courses in Indy? You know, when I, I, you're a seven-time champion, one everywhere. But I didn't never look at you and think of you as a guy who just loved road course racing. But, you know, you do, you have ran the 24 hours you've ran, you've ran road courses before outside of uh, NASCAR. But I didn't think of you as a guy that would go seek more of that. Sure. Why we can't imagine anybody wanting to seek a road course anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, two, two answers. One, one is funny. Do you know how fast those Indy cars go on an oval? Yeah, that's okay. Right. That's so right. no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect answer. Right. The other part was <laughs> when I drove that Formula One car two Novembers ago, I, I just couldn't believe what I was experiencing. So I don't know how competitive I would be in sports car racing or Indy car. I love a good challenge, uh, so I'm willing to to lay it on the line and put myself out there and, in a sense, kind of be vulnerable and, and say, "Hey, I want to try this, no matter how I perform." Um, but just the kid in me that dri likes driving a race car, that was cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I literally hit the brakes and my, my vision went out. I blocked out. Uh, to look at a corner and your eyes know what a NASCAR vehicle can shoot through a turn at. And they're like, oh, no, don't lift. Actually, grab two more gears and run that 40, 50 miles an hour faster than you think you can. 
And that was just fun. Wow. It was so much fun. What about off-road trucks, going back to your roots? Oh, he's I would, without a doubt. Yeah. I think, I th- and I'm a planner in some respects, but I would say IndyCar is probably a shorter window of opportunity. Sports cars is wider. I think my off-road uh, – experiences and options would you know i've got a lot of time to still look at that so uh desert short course i would look at both and i uh, would love to get back in those trucks i want to drag you out there and get you off the ground man yeah it is so fun to just send it and everything's okay yeah well, i'd well, like well, well. I, as long as i'm driving <laughs> well, 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 well. hey as long as i'm driving that's good because i yes, got i made a mistake a of getting in a truck with uh Robbie Gordon, we were at Phoenix for the race, and we qualifying was at lunch, and we had Why the whole. Why would you do right, that? The, we had the whole rest of the day to do nothing, and he's like, "Hey man, you want to ride with me?" And my, my I got this Baja truck, um, the one that he would run uh, at at what's that race overseas? Uh, oh, the Paris Dakar yeah. trucks. What you thinking about? Yes. Oh, okay. He he had that thing out there, and <laughs> he's like, "I'm gonna go ride a little bit. You want to go?" And I'm like, "Man, if I say no, <laughs> this is he's gonna think I'm a wuss." So I have to say yes. You know how drivers are. Yeah. And so I was like, sure, I'll ride with you, man. And terrified. Did you get He's, nauseous? No. But we're flying. He, so he, we go drive off the road and just we're flying flat-footed. Feels like probably 120, 150 mile an hour across this flat, you know, gravel forever. And I'm like, he doesn't know what's next. He doesn't know there might be a ditch. There might be a hole. There might be... We can't see. Like, it's flat. Like, how do you know when there's a ditch? And uh, if we hit one, we're, we're, done, we're done. You know, and I could not wait to until uh, we pulled back on the highway and started heading back to the track. And I was like, whew. I was like, yeah, that was great, man. Appreciate it. I'm never doing this again. Never again. Never doing this yeah, again. Yeah, I don't blame you. So, if I was driving, I would I'd probably Way enjoy it. Way better situation. Yeah. Well, or you just don't go ride with Robbie Gordon. I know. There's two parts of that deal that are high, <laughs> yeah. highly risky, riding I, and I Robbie. I always thought, you know, and I know you do too, I always thought the, a lot of Robbie. I know I hated racing him on the racetrack. I thought he was a, a, a complete idiot out there. But <laughs> as, a, as a person and a friend and a, and a dude to hang out with, tons of fun. He's a wheel man. I yeah. Mean, yeah. He's he a wheel yeah, he was just questionable in a stock car. I will say that. Sure, sure. Um, <laughs> you did. And that, this is all coming back. You and Robbie had a couple of run-ins, didn't you? Yeah, we did. And you, you called him a couple names in those interviews. We did. But we, yeah. we would run, each, run into each other at the bar and sit down and drink beer and just talk. And, and when and we go back to name-calling, which you called Todd Bodine, I still today hear that Go ahead phrase. and tell us. Yep. Cue-ball-headed fool. I, that is so amazing. Cue-ball-headed really? fool. Did you have that stored away somewhere, or that just naturally came out? So, the dad... <laughs> was it Phoenix? It well, was, no, no, it was, it was uh, uh, Colorado Springs track, was yeah, that what it was? Pikes yeah, Peak. Pikes Peak's what I'm trying dad to say. Dad and Jeff Bedine were, or, you know, hated each other's guts in the mid-'80s and wrecked each other over and over. Dad would wreck Jeff Bodine. So, this is dad, right? And, and you, you and him are similar in the fact that you, you go out and try to win every single race. You're, try, you're, you know, you're trying to win championships, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. He bailed on that one day and wrecked Jeff Bodine knowing that they were going to penalize him. Mm. I'd never seen my dad do that. Get out of character in a sense. Totally bailed on, like, the, the goal. Gotcha. And was like, because I'm sitting there, it was at Charmer Speedway, and I was in the uh, suite, and I'm like, go, I want to go to Victor Lane, win, Dad, be the best. And he decides that he's not going to do that. He's going to spin Jeff Bodine out because <laughs> he, he's mad at Jeff, and they penalize him five laps. And that was it. And so from that period on, anybody with the last name Bodine was bad. 
Gotcha. And so Todd was guilty by association. Sure. And so I had that one ready to deliver. But what happened at Pikes Peak? What did he do to get, get – We had a top two car. It was pretty much me and Matt Kenseth pretty much every weekend at the racetracks back then. But this particular race, there was about six of us. And I watched this race again probably about uh, eight to ten months ago. And Turns uh, one and two, if yeah. I remember right. There was a, it was a lake yellow, and, and we all got to racing real hard, and, and it was so fun back then. All the cars were pretty equal, and you could race really hard around each other and get real close to each other, but there was a pack of six of us, and I kind of got shuffled back a few spots, and that annoyed me because I felt like I should have been good enough to finish first or second. So I'm sitting there about fifth with just a few laps to go, and I barreled off into turn one with Todd on the inside of me, trying to get clear him to get back my progress and make up what I lost. And he got loose and doored me and spun me out. And you I, had that thing in your I back pocket, ready to, rock. Ready to yeah. go. Hey, so ready. <laughs> this reminds me, uh, when we first started talking about doing a podcast, Dale Jr. had the best idea for a segment, and that was where we call up drivers. that <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he calls up drivers that had wrecked him like back in 98 and see if they were ready to apologize to him yet. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. And so it just not even give him a heads up or a warning. Yeah, like, call you know, cold, call up. Cold turkey. Yeah. That would be incredible. Hey, man, Junior. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Remember that race? I was wondering if you felt bad about that at all. <laughs> I'd have to, in turn, make call, calls myself yeah. on, on behalf of guys that I had wrecked, you know. That would be great yeah. content. <laughs> it was. Phenomenal. We ended up talking. We ended up doing a lot of segments. We did have some drivers on that we needed to squash some beefs with. We That's did, right. We did talk about all the guys that I had wrecked. Kyle. Um, yep. Yeah. I wrecked Stanton Barrett once. One of the nicest guys out there. Yes. That's, that's, that's what makes him feel so bad about yep. it. Is that yep. Stanton Barrett's one of the nicest guys, and he took him out. At took Pikes him out. Peak. Sure. A lot of bad things happen there. Yeah, Pikes altitude, man, yeah. gets everybody. <laughs> <That's what laughs> Nobody's <laughs> acting normal. Or <laughs> I'm going to blame it on the altitude. <laughs> the altitude. <laughs> I, um, I got, before we let you go, man, I want to talk about the, uh, the, the race this weekend. You ran in the duels last night. You guys raced a little bit more than I expected. I know. Was that, was that kind of the – so, uh, to, to be clear, I know all the teams set in the debrief. Everybody sets and sort of makes this plan. This is what we're going to do. Uh, the manufacturers all want to work together. Teammates want to work together. But it really seemed like there was not as many concrete restrictions on what yeah. you could do. And you guys just could go out there and race. And rather than really take care of your car to get it into the, uh, onto the grid for the 500, you, you, wanted, you went out to go win. Everybody seemed to be racing more than I thought. Is that, uh, I guess, is that what you thought from behind the wheel? I, I did, too. And I was trying to wonder if I missed a meeting or something, because I was in the second race and I'm watching the first race. I'm like, those guys are having fun. Yeah. Did I miss a meeting? Like, are we allowed to go do this now? But I feel like there's, there's a couple pieces to it. One, I think when you have stage points on the line, we, we all know how important those are. Um, so th there was a reason to race. And then most of the cars can really push hard. And you can see the, the other two manufacturers really pushing hard and creating that energy. And then I was really proud of Stenhouse trying to learn how much he could push and what he could do with his car. So I think they kind of set the tone. And then in race two, we're like, sweet, let's do this. Where is it uh, stand right now? As far So the front of the forward's pretty flat. Looks like they're pretty comfortable lining up, pushing about any car they want to. How do you feel about the nose on the new Chevy? Is it, is it where you want it? Do you guys, can you improve it if you need to? How comfortable are you pushing people? I think we can get up there and, and hit someone, but to sit on someone and push them for a long period of time, I, I'm not comfortable with that yet. So I feel like we're missing a little pushing. 
Uh, what I was bummed about in the clash is that I couldn't receive a push very well. My car was super loose. So um, with what we're allowed to change uh, leading into the, to the race last night after qualifying, um, we made some good progress on our car receiving a push. I think we still have a little bit more to go. Um, but if, if I can get up there and slam someone, I still feel like I can have that offensive opportunity. But uh, we've, we've got to get the rear a little bit more secure. I think, I think those other manufacturers um, just have a little bit more time because last, last year in all the races we're at, they were getting in there pushing more often, and they might be a, a couple steps ahead of us on setup. Absolutely, man. Well, we're wishing you the best of luck Absolutely. on Sunday. Um, hope the rest of your weekend goes well. Don't, get, don't, don't let them. That's the thing, man. That's the best piece of advice I can give you about this year and beyond is you don't have to say yes to everything. You're going to feel like you're supposed to. But you don't. You can take a little time yourself. Enjoy where were it, you man. before this week started? Right. Sorry, or uh, out. <laughs> this, no, no. This isn't the part where you have to worry about. It. It's when you get to Eddie Gossage, and then and then all that. Oh yeah, all that. That's that, that's yeah. Be ready for those weird oddball gifts that you really don't have anything, any kind of comeback <laughs> for. That's going to happen probably just at Texas. Just at Texas. Yeah. yeah. But bring your photographer. Just in <laughs> that's, case. That's a place to bring one. <laughs> yeah. And a horse trailer. You might be. You may be good. Yeah. Some livestock. You just never know. Never know. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. Thanks, sir. Thank you, buddy. Have a good weekend, bud. All right, man. Is Ricky here? We've got our next guest. Do we have any questions that anybody wants to ask while we're waiting? He's got one. Thank you. Awesome. Way to go, buddy. I like him already. Here we go. Hey there, bud. What's your name? Uh, Jojo. How old are you? 11. 11. What's your question for Dale? Um, Who do you think is going to win the 500? You know, man, that's a tough one to – That's a, you know, and the uh, – usually there's like a standout. Joey looks really, really good. Joey's a – Joey Logano, he's a great plate racer, willing to do whatever it takes, throw the blocks, anything he can do to keep the lead, maintain his lead. He also has the best spotter, and the spotter is real, real important at Daytona and Talladega. They're important everywhere, but they really earn their money at Daytona and Talladega trying to help Joey – and any other driver understand what line's got the momentum, what line can give them the push, what's happening around them to be able to make the choices they need to make to stay up front. Joey's got the best spotter, by far the best spotter. So there's yeah. some other great – who it is. TJ Majors. Yeah. I, don't, you know, I don't think TJ needs to know he's the best. I, that's right. I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, TJ, incidentally, was my spotter as well, so I just know how good he is and how he helped me win some races out at Daytona and Talladega. So uh, – I like I like Joey. I think I can't say that there is a favorite. I'd put Joey's odds very good at winning this race, and um, you know there's several. Denny Hamlin, I think probably might be the best plate racer in the field. Um, if he doesn't win, he'll be in the picture with the winner that crosses the finish line. So he he's always up front when it counts at the end of these races. This gentleman that's asking the question, I just saw a picture. You've met Dale before. Well, tell us where you met Dale. Um, it was when my dad did Hotel, Hotel Silverado, and then we came back from the concert, and he was in here with a bunch of other people, La- yeah. and they surprised us. Last year, right? Yeah. Joey Miller. Yes, sir. That's you. Yes, yeah. sir. So Joey Miller's your dad. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and, and so that's awesome to have you guys back. Where do y'all live? We're here. We're, oh, we're, you're local. We're, we're locals, you're, you're yeah. Good. All right. Well, you didn't have to go too far. Nice. All right. I'll ask a question. Dale, you did something pretty cool yesterday. You want to talk about that? Down in Fort Lauderdale? Oh, yeah, yeah. God, I <laughs> we were think. just trying to think. <laughs> I did too. I was with you. <laughs> Every day is really good. Um, I uh, opened up a new Whiskey River. Yeah, so we have uh, 
you know, we have a restaurant in downtown Charlotte called Whiskey River, and we uh, also have locations in the Charlotte Douglas Airport and in the Raleigh Durham Airport, and we just opened one uh, now in the in the Fort Lauderdale Airport. So very uh, proud of that. Very yeah. excited that uh, the the folks coming and going through that airport location will have some place great to hang out and get some great food drinks charge up their you know tablets and phones and whatnot and uh make those layovers a little more tolerable so so excited about that we're having great success with our with our location in charlotte and in raleigh and even the downtown location that's been around in more than a decade now is doing just just great so i think it'll have good success we got a partner uh that we work with in all of those locations in the airports called hms host and they're in over 60 percent of the airports in the country um and uh, so they're a great part. They know the they know the space. They know the customer, and 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 know how to give them a great experience. So, real th- thrilled to be partnered with them on that. Has anybody in here been to a Whiskey River? Just out of yeah, hey, t- a couple. Yeah, 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 all right. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, about everybody. Yeah. All right. Oh, we had another question back here. Tell us about retiring from your driving career, going up to the broadcast booth, and how you're enjoying that. Broadcasting has been a, you know, really great way to stay connected to the sport that's basically you know I, I i love driving and uh i was a huge fan of of nascar and still am today and even as a driver i was a fan of what i was watching and seeing around me and uh wanting to be around it wanting to be part of it so much uh knowing that i wasn't always going to be a driver I just didn't know how I would remain connected. What would be the role that I could keep or do, or or what what would what would allow me to stay uh, a part of the sport? So the broadcasting stepped in and filled that role for me really well. So it's thrilled to be able to uh, have a purpose to be, you know, have a reason to be at the races, have a purpose, even a small small role of of the direction of the sport, the success uh, and growth of our sport is real important to me and I feel like I really can make a difference as a broadcaster. I grew up idolizing uh, Barney Hall, um, Benny Parsons, uh, Ken Squire, man, was just incredible in the booth. Um, David Hobbs, just really idolizing a lot of these guys, I think more than more than normal, <laughs> more than most drivers probably even think about broadcasters. Most drivers, I assume, maybe just think about what they're doing in the car and how to get to the checkered flag and win races and their family and so forth. But I always felt like that the broadcast uh, plays this really significant role in how we look at the sport and how we perceive it. Um, if I played you a race without any, uh, if I played you any race without any audio from the broadcast booth and just allowed you to watch cars going around in a circle, all right, and let you determine yourself whether that race is good or bad. When you add the broadcast element, they can improve or, or, or have a negative impact on your perception of that event. And so that's a major responsibility. And so if I can show you a race and make you feel like it was better than it actually was perceived i mean that that's a that's a great thing so and i feel like that that's the responsibility of the broadcast booth is to to really help you guys understand the action make you help you help you enjoy the action know exactly what you're looking at 
Um, and I feel like, you know, there's some guys that really did a great job at that. If you look at, you know, John Madden, how much fun was he as a broadcaster in the booth for Monday Night Football? Uh, just his excitement, energy. He really enjoyed and loved what he was watching, and he really enjoyed telling people about it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really, you know, idolized a lot of people like that and want to, and I feel like that he made that he made that game better, funner, more enjoyable to watch because of his commentary. And I feel like that I should hold that same sort of standard and responsibility on myself, and and uh, and I'm glad, so glad I get a chance to do it. So just feel lucky. Yes, sir. What's your name? Rex. Yes, sir. So out of all the cars that you've driven, out of all the race cars that you've driven in any series, uh, what's your favorite? Man, that's tough. Um, Honestly, uh, the Corvette uh, in 2001 with uh, my dad and Andy Pilgrim, Kelly Co- Kerry Collins, uh, Kelly Collins, sorry, um, that car uh, did a lot of things really well. Um, obviously, there's been so much progress in the last 20 years with the IMSA program and the Corvette program that the car is even more incredible today. But I drove nothing but stock cars on a bias ply and a radial tire, and and they. Didn't, they don't stop very well. They don't have a ton of grip, not, all, not a lot of downforce. And when I got in that Corvette, and I could literally feel the air pushing the car down into the ground. I could feel as I would accelerate around the banking of Daytona, the car get lower and lower as it accumulated more and more downforce and drag from the speed. Uh, and the, the ability for that car, the ability that it had to stop and turn uh, and then I got to race on rain tires in that car during the race itself. Uh, I'd never raced in the rain. So to try to run offline and, and do all the things that you need to do to be productive while racing in the rain was a lot of fun. That was just a really great experience. Uh, we went to Sebring to test for the first time. I destroyed the car and uh, thought that I had I, – I backed the car into a bridge abutment. There's a bridge – I think it's a pedestrian bridge – uh, in, in, a, in the first sort of series of corners at Sebring. And I spun the car out and backed into that bridge, and I thought that I had destroyed this, this you know, $500,000 car. I don't know how much it cost, but it looked amazing. And it would drive and, and, and run, so uh, they, par- they brought it back around to the, to the truck. And I'm sitting there. My dad's there. He hasn't even had a chance to get in the car yet. Oh. And uh, I just felt tiny. And I knew that I was going to get an earful from Dad. And they bring these big giant pieces, uh, bags, big giant black sort of rubber bags out of this uh, hauler. It's huge. And they start unzipping these bags, and it's, and it's big, huge pieces of the car. And they, bas- they bolt the car back together. In 15 minutes, they clipped it all back together. So I hadn't done any real damage to the suspension or anything real critical and they put the body back on the car basically in literally 15 minutes and the guys that are the mechanics and owners for that team looked at me and said you ready get back in I was like I can't believe number one you want me to get back in right away but much less the rest of the day like you want dad to try it a little bit what if I go destroy it again you know they were like here it is go you you know you figure it out and uh keep going we got more parts so uh what did your dad say? Well, 
we I go out there and I ran and ran and ran and I came off the track and the guy come the guys are standing there and he's like, you ran fast enough to qualify third for this race last year, man. It was a really good lap. So I'm proud. I'm happy. I'm excited. And uh, dad's dad goes out there and runs and he's slower. <laughs> Just throw that little tidbit in. Well, I mean, if he was, he was. If I don't answer the question, that's right. Be honest. They're gonna ask it. So <laughs> he gets out and I'm like, man. I did a good lap. He's like, that ain't important. We're here to learn tests. It's not nobody, you know, this doesn't pay anything. I was like, well, all right. He's like, you need to calm down before you crash it again. I was like, I'm pretty comfortable with the speeds I'm running. You need to go faster. And he goes, he, they put, he's, he's like, so if, if, if you know anything about motorsports, if you're going to race or drive or test from 8 to 5 o'clock, the best time in the day for the car is about five o'clock in the afternoon. That's like peak grip, peak speed. And so dad waits till the end of the day and puts on a brand new set of sticker tires and he's gonna go out there and beat my lap and he wrecked the car. He did? Yep. He wrecked it? Drove it in nose first in the final corner. <laughs> wow, that's So I never got my butt chewing because he <laughs> he ended up doing the same thing I did. You didn't chew his butt though, did you? <laughs> no. I just said I just told him, I said, Man, if you need to know how to get around that corner, I can help you. Well, Ricky, <laughs> <laughs> if I'd have been on time, I'd have caught the whole story. Yeah, yeah. Ricky Ray, Stenhouse is here. Ricky Stenhouse has joined us, everybody. Give him a round of applause for coming by here. Pole setter. Our pole setter in a Chevrolet. That's uh, right. Yeah, that sounds good, man. That, that really got me the invite to the show. That's right. <laughs> yeah, okay. you got it. So what is it like driving a Chevrolet? So far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, they, uh, the guys brought a really fast car down here. Uh, they worked all off-season on it. Um, obviously a few of us that switched over there have a little chip on our shoulder, something to prove. And I feel like they've, uh, they've done that so far and, uh, it drove really good in the draft. It was, it was good. We only had a, a few of us Chevy cars out there and uh, I felt like Chase and I worked really well together. Uh, I talked to him a little bit after he still says he feels like he needs to get his driving a little bit better. Uh, I felt like mine drove good. I was a little nervous with how much speed we had in qualifying that, you know, going into the race, like, oh, how's this thing going to drive? Because it, it did feel a little bit looser of a race car than, than what I was used to on the speedways. And, but I felt like last night I could, you know, kind of maneuver wherever I needed to. You raced last night, too. I mean, nobody oh, knew yeah. what you were going to do, but, man, you oh, yeah. stuck it in there. Yeah, I like to race. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so hard to, you know, you want to go do well for, you know, your new partners, your new team. You want to show what you got, run up front. And, and I felt like we showed – kind of everybody in the field that, you know, we have a car that's capable of doing what we need to do. We can lead lines, we can push, I can get pushed, and, and I felt comfortable in all those situations. That's so smart, man, because if you, all right, you go out there and set on the pole, you had this concern about your car and whether it was going to be comfortable in the pack. Everyone else in the field has that same concern or assumption about your car, unless you go out there and prove otherwise. I always felt like that it was so important to be aggressive in practice in, in the qualifying races because I wanted everybody to know, like, this is a great car. Yeah. I, and if he pulls out of line, I might want to get behind it. And so – And by the way, the whole time I raced with Junior, if he was behind you and he pulled out, they always went with him. <laughs> you know just, what? Just they, so you know. Everybody says that. <laughs> and, and I, I was because of all the hard work I put in in practice. <laughs> okay. So it makes sense. Is that why, Ricky? Is that why? Yeah, he, yeah. Something he's, like that. he's the hardest worker. Everybody knew yeah. that, right? I was there. actually late because I was going over the race. We were watching SMT, me and Ryan Priest. Just, you know, this is uh, – he's still fairly new to, to the cup side on drafting and, you know, making moves. And we were kind of looking at everything. And 
think the 11 hung him out. And I was like, yeah, back in the day when Junior was buying it, you had to watch that every time. <laughs> he hang you out? Well, yeah, he wanted to get to the front. I got to go which, to the front. Well, yeah, hey, hey, you know what? This all reminds me now. Let me, cause now, I wasn't, I wasn't in a Chevrolet when he hung me out. Then that's okay, so. because <laughs> let me tell you something. You know who complained most about him hanging out? was his teammates. Uh, yeah. Jeff Gordon, get Jeff Gordon going well, on Dale Jr.'s drafting party. Well, they would have the highest expectations as anyone out there, so of course they're going to complain the most. Some of the most entertaining radio chatter ever is Talladega just turned it on to Jeff Gordon's channel when Dale Jr.'s out there he, and just let it ride. He would complain he, about at least something I did every single time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if he'd let you lead, then it would be fine. Yeah, that's right. I like to lead. I know. I feel like if I always – people uh, come to me, younger drivers come to me and ask me about drafting, and I always tell them, like, the mentality that worked for me, and I didn't use it every time, uh, was – if trying to lead every lap you can't realistically lead every lap but if you're always trying to lead every lap then I think you're safer on the offense than you are if you're on the defense anytime I ever tried to be defensive careful protect Mm. uh I always ended up getting crashed oh yeah Yeah. I I I agree 100 percent I think you know people are like oh why are you aggressive I'm like I'm aggressive because I want to keep my track position because I want to stay in the front even though like lately the crashes have started like second and third row. Normally, yeah, you know, yeah. it used to, back in the day, it would start right in the middle of the pack. And now it's, you know, we're, we're blocking, we're doing this, we're doing that. And it seems like, you know, the chaos happens, you know, two or three rows back from the leader. But if you're leading, you're, you're way safer. Yeah. You're, you, be, you, did, you did change teams, but you're able to stay with your crew chief, Brian Patty. You talked about some other guys even coming over from the team as well. Um, not uncommon for a crew chief to change from one team to another and hire some of those guys or bring some of those guys that he trusts. Uh, that's got to that's got to help you, I think, in this big change. You're, it's a huge change for you as a driver to move organizations, but it's got to give you some comfort seeing some familiar faces when you pull into the garage. Yeah, it was. I mean, to me, the the biggest thing was just this off season. You know, I was out dirt racing. Uh, you know, I was in the shop when I wasn't dirt racing. I mean, anytime I was home, I'd go to the shop, hang out with the guys, and just get to know all the new people. But it was really nice, like. You know, us drivers, I can walk around the shop and I'm be like, oh, that, that looks nice. I mean, it looks like we got really good craftsmanship. I like the interior of these cars. They look nice. Seems like they got all the parts and pieces. But to have that reassurance from Brian Patty, who's working in the the shop every single day, and's like, man, we got the we got the parts, we got the resources, we got the people. We can run well here and and, and do good things. And uh, looking at the the jump that JTG Doherty Racing made from, you know, 2018 to 2019. They built their own chassis, built their own bodies. Uh, I think that was a step in the right direction. And now uh, knowing that Brian Patty feels like, hey, we got the stuff that we need to run well, um, you know, brings, brings a lot of confidence with me. I got to ask you, um, and, and so I had never, I know I've heard the name Stenhouse in racing, but I'd never really, you you, for me, came out of thin air, popped on the map, yeah. and became a Xfinity Series champion driving for Roush. What was your uh, career? How did you get there? What was your career like? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, so my dad raced sprint cars. He worked for a company called Racing Head Service back in the day, and that's kind of how he got into racing. He didn't start racing until he was like 22. Oh. And then, I mean, I was born, and my mom took me to the racetrack. I was six weeks old. And so I'd been going the racetrack ever since and raced BMX, rode dirt bikes with my dad, and then ended up racing go-karts when I was six years old. And so I did that till I was 15. 
my dad was still racing sprint cars. He was building engines. And we had a test day at a racetrack when I was 15. I went and weighed, made 10 laps. And then dad said, I'm done. He hadn't got back in a race car since. Wow. And so I ran the next week. And then I ran, that was 2003. 2006, we had a really good year running sprint cars throughout uh, like Ohio, through the Midwest. And 2007, February, um, you know, dad kind of told me, hey, this is going to be like your college. I'm going to give you like three, four years to race. I'm going to help race, you know, build engines. We had great, great people that, you know, family, friends that helped us as well. And he said, I'm going to give you four years and that'll be your college. And then we'll figure out what to do after that. <laughs> and I so worst colleges. That's yeah. So 2007, beginning of that year, dad's like, I'm not sure how much we're going to race. And I was running silver, the silver crown car. I was working at a shop in Memphis. Uh, Carl Edwards had a little bit to do with this silver crown team and they were going to Manzanita Speedway. We were going to race the, the copper on dirt and USAC had uh, midgets, sprint cars and silver crown there. Well, I talked my dad into letting me take the sprint car. I'd only ran non-wing one other time in sprint cars and we go out there won the sprint car race won the silver crown race tony had his cars there casey had his cars there and a month later one of tony's drivers got hurt and they called me hey do you want to come drive for tony i was like heck yeah so that's when i started driving for tony and that was kind of my first stint with chevrolet um, that weekend though was your big weekend when that weekend was it all the big that was it that was there. february i that can't remember it. the exact date but it was in it was 2007 in february I ran that next season with Tony uh, in October of that year. I signed with Jack and raced here at Daytona in wow. February of 2008 running ARCA. Wow. I was like, it was like just one thing happened after another. So that explains why you did. Yeah. There, there was no yeah. chance for an introduction until he got here. It That's was, right. It yeah. was that quick. It was crazy. Uh, we tested uh, Lakeland, Florida. We tested somewhere else and then we went to kentucky my third test in in a stock car i was like dang this is crazy florida is tough yeah and then i but i was comfortable because i'd ran a silver crown race there before so i was like all right i know this track and that year that i ran for tony in 2007 was really the first time i started racing asphalt too and so that was kind of a a big adjustment what what, what about lakeland florida i've never heard that track well it's gone now but oh just wore out slick yeah It's a, cool, a small, cool track, pla- yeah, small it? place for a stock car. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what happened. And then we ran ARCA 2008. Only ran seven nationwide races in 2009. And then full-time 2010, 11, and 12. And when we were on – we won Rookie of the Year in 2010. We were at the banquet. And we were sitting in the crowd. And Mike Kelly was my crew chief, who is now at JTG. Doherty with me. We were down there, and we are like – we're going to sit up there on the stage next year. Like, that was our goal. And uh, we knew that we were going to the new style cars. And all the new style races, uh, we ran three or four. We, you won here at Daytona in the new style car. I think we ran third. And, like, we were always fast with that style of car in those four races that we ran that year. And so we felt like we had a good chance to to win the championship, and, and we did. So we hear about uh, Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson running dirt. You, st- uh, you still race dirt. Uh, you have an o- your own team. Uh, talk to me about that. Tell me, I, I, pretend like I know nothing about it. Tell me about your team, where your team runs, when you drive, why do you drive. Give me all the background on that. All the background. Well, so up and through 2012, I ran probably 25, 30 sprint car races a year, you know, between midget and sprint cars. 
And then 2013, Jack was like, hey, you're running cup. Let's not do any of that. <laughs> so I didn't run it for 13, 14, 15. And 16, I was like, Jack, those few years are up. I'm going to race sprint cars. So I uh, started dabbling back into sprint cars. I still ran midgets in the off season, and starting to try and get my schedule built up a little bit more to run to run more races. But our team's based out of Brownsburg, Indiana, kind of more centrally located. You know, our guys, we race 90 races a year oh, is on the schedule. Oh, sprint car guys do and schedules. So, you, you'll never complain about your life yeah, when you hear a sprint I car I mean, they're up schedule. and down the road, and I really like their the shop to be based in Charlotte so I could go to it, work on the cars, hang out with the guys. But – Realistically, it doesn't yeah. make sense. They're gone. Uh, sometimes I think Casey's guys are gone two or three months at a time. And mm-hmm. if I got the shop in Brownsburg, they're able to kind of get through there. But, you know, the sprint cars, I grew up racing them. I felt like that's kind of what helped me learn how to how to race and, you know, maneuver a car around, change lines. You know, the track's always changing. And they're just really fun to watch. And so they weigh 1,400 pounds with the driver, have close to 900 horsepower. And it's just a – Sometimes you feel like you're holding on, but oh uh, yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so it's what it looks um, like. I got great partners with Noss Energy Drink that have tied into the Cup side, tied into my career, and then also helped me on the dirt side. And they they do a lot in dirt racing across all all series, and uh, it's just a, a fun thing to do. It gives me something to do on the weekends at night. I mean, Larson and I'll get together and and watch our sprint car teams race uh, across the country every night on online and. Gives us something to do. How many races will you run a year? Uh, I think this year, I ran six races this off season. Uh, this the, throughout the season, I'll probably run ten to twelve. Yeah. Well, first off weekend, I uh, got a double header USAC midget race uh, back at my home track, so I'm gonna go do that. Nice. You know, that's the thing about these guys. I've I've learned because uh, how many years did you go without running sprint cars? Because three. Jack, so we. It's like these sprint cars. If you take sprint car racing out of a sprint car guy's, you know, schedule, it's like you've amputated them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and it's it like, felt like that. The next time they have a contract negotiation, you better bet <laughs> they are going to make sure that's in it. Right? I mean, Yeah. So, like, Jack was always good at letting me just kind of do what I wanted. But then, you know, he wanted to focus on Cup. And so I did that for a year. And then uh, Tony got hurt. Leffler, yeah. you know, had his crash. Yeah. Uh, my buddy Brian had his crash, and then it just kind of delayed everything uh, a little bit longer for me. But all in all, I mean, you, you can't take sprint car racing away from somebody that sprint car raced. I mean, yeah. we, we love it. It's, uh, it's who we are. It's, you know, kind of what got us here. And we want to give back. I mean, Sheldon Hoddenshield that, that runs our car, he's 24 years old. His dad raced. It was a legend in, in World of Outlaw sprint car racing. And it's cool to be able to give an opportunity back to somebody else. Yeah, that's definitely a recognizable last name. All right, buddy. Well, we appreciate you coming out here, giving us some of your time. I know that you got a busy week, and uh, we really, really thank you for for being here. Absolutely. Everybody, give him a round of applause. No our, thank you, Ricky. Our pole sitter. He'll be the show on Sunday. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're gonna put on a show. That's right. Hold on. Throw a mic back on. This sounds like something we're gonna want to hear. Oh Jesus. A dog ate your tickets. Are we still? Yeah, yeah. No, we we got to hear this. Yeah. So. Um, I needed. I got some tickets for uh, a friend of mine. He's got a bachelor party. They're coming oh, wow, down yeah. here. Dog ate them and I sent. I got back from uh, our safety debrief this morning. I walked into the bus, and paper is everywhere. <laughs> and I look, and it's my Daytona 500 tickets for my friends. So I sent Chip a text. I was like, "What do I do now?" And yeah. so 
He's fixing it for us. Right. So well, like that's the, no better time to bring in Chip Wild, president of Daytona it's like International the dog. Speedway. Man, you give me them tickets, my dog ate them. <laughs> dang, dog, I do dang, not dang, believe dog. that story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. I want to hear it's how. like the dog ate my homework. So, Chip, Chip Wild's here. Are you, uh, can you hear us all right? Yeah, you sound great. When you get a text like that, I mean, and, uh, as Speed Week's approaches, I can imagine that you get all kinds of requests and crazy people and i can't even promise that we aren't part of that <laughs> no you're good but when you get a text that said hey those tickets you gave me uh they're a dog ate them what, i mean what do you think you typically thoughts? don't answer <laughs> no, no <laughs> they we, can't be trusted with them. that's right no we we've tried to fix it you guys are our guests oh man and we come to the right you come to our racetrack we want to make sure that we treat you the right way and uh, he, he's got buddies that are in town and uh, so we'll take care of them. But I heard he, I heard yesterday or last night you went up to the spotter stand and fed all the spotters dinner. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Hold on. My God. You really have to do that? No. Those but, guys got it pretty good. They, they do it. have it pretty good. But we, me and Phelps are talking about things we could do to make it feel different. And so uh, him and I got dinner delivered up there and uh, what had did you ice send cream. Them like? We just sent them like sandwiches. Some but we, but, or what? <laughs> just 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 some ham sandwiches. Ham sandwiches. Damn, but, man, you're going to go through all that and just give them a hand well, no, but we had, <laughs> Now I'm kind of disappointed. Now we, kinda, we had ice cream for them. I brought a freezer full of ice cream. I think that's what they were most excited oh, about. Oh, I'm sure. You're yeah. talking about the single most entitled group of people at the Speedway. <laughs> sure. You're feeding them. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, they had to stand up on the roof. It was it was cold yesterday. You're right. Oh, it's too hot. It's too, too cold. Old. It's always it's like something. It's never perfect. It's never something. No. It's never right. So tell us about the Daytona 500. You got some great news. A lot of, lot of great things to tell us about that. Yeah, so sold out yesterday. Yeah. Congratulations. I didn't know if you could tell. I didn't know when you were going to give that news out. Do you, when do you decide? All right, you know it's sold out. When do you decide to tell people it's sold out? <laughs> really, when we sell all the tickets. I know, but it seems like in the past you've – okay, so to clarify, you've told me in the I past, have, I have. hey, it's sold out, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> Why don't you tell everybody? Well – no, I say, Dale, it's sold out. Do you mind telling everybody? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, listen, we, we've actually seen uh, a, a renewed interest this year. So we have sold out the last five years. Typically, it happens on Friday night or Saturday. Uh, but we were, we were trending this week. We actually stopped selling tickets on Thursday yeah. morning. Wow. Uh, so that's great news for us. That means that people are paying attention. Do, and you, do you think you're the president or a promoter? Uh, now, your title says president, yeah. but do you look at yourself as a promoter? Because we were talking about this at the start. Well, you look, well, you're we, looking away and disgust. No, no. I was, you, I was why, why, Davis? Well, because we were introducing who was going to be coming on, and, and he said, goes, and we're going to have promoter Chip Wild. And I'm like, or he, actually, this is what he did. He goes, promoter Chip Wild. <laughs> what I'm does like, that mean? Oh, exactly. <laughs> well, you're really I the mean, president. <laughs> Well, really I'm like, or they call it we're, president. We're all we're all promoters, right? I mean, yes. everybody's a promoter. Uh, that's what that's our job. We got to promote. We got to promote the events. We got to sell tickets. So we had Humpy Wheeler on the show uh, for the first show this year, and he talked about how they sold in the '70s. They would sell most of the tickets for the World 600 like the weekend of the race. Yeah. Like, oh wow. Yeah, like he was the week. The last week, he better make. Some massive announcement, like Janet Guthrie's going to race, or the Indi um, you know, AJ Foyt or Indy 500, or somebody's going to come through and and run the double or whatever. He had to have some significant set of circumstances to sell the majority of the tickets. So, 
in give us an idea, I guess, of when you're selling most of your tickets. Are they? Is it right after the finish of the Daytona 500 this year that you're going to sell that next year's tickets? When will those tickets mostly be sold? It it really depends on the event. So for the Daytona 500, we're, we we renew about half of the tickets. So that happens in you know March, April, May, and then from really middle of June is when we go into public on sale. From there through, I would call it um, middle of November, th- you know, you sell about another 15 to 20%, and then you sell the about last 30% uh, and the last 60 day, 50 to 60 days. Yeah, that's pretty nerve-wracking. Yeah, it is. You yeah. don't sleep at all. I haven't slept since n- November 15th. Dale. I feel, and do and I look like <laughs> that? All right. Not only do you have that going on for just this event, how many events does this racetrack hold? Not only Because we don't just have races here. No, so... Really, since uh, the middle of December, we've had a professional triathlon. We've had uh, the WK. Yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> they swam in the Lake Lloyd. That was that's wow. a real thing. Uh, that's a real thing. They uh, and then we had the World Karting Association. Uh, they had a national event here. We had about fifteen to twenty thousand people from December twenty-sixth through the thirtieth. They rolled out on the thirtieth. On the thirty-first, uh, IMSA rolled in. We had uh, the Roar before the Rolex Twenty-Four with every race car driver that's racing in that event. They were there the first weekend in uh, January. Then we flipped the property uh, and had uh, cars on track the next weekend for a rental. And then the next weekend, they were back racing for the Rolex. We then had one. We had 11 days to flip the property before uh, Speed Week started. Hey, how big is the staff? We have 123 full-time people. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot of people. And then, and then on Sunday night when we're handing out the Harley JRL trophy, that's actually the real trophy. That's the real trophy. That's the real one. Right here with that is. That's awesome. Yeah. So are there like replicas all over the place? There's. So when Joey Chitwood got here, we stopped making replicas. We only make two a year. So two trophies, and uh, it's a, it's an, it's it's an art driver and owner. owner. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So on Sunday when. when we're handing out that trophy, my team will be out on the ball field pulling up all the sprinkler heads because Monday morning we clear the ball field and start bringing in dirt to build the Supercross track. That Monday sounds morning. fun. It, uh, Supercross is fun. <laughs> the it's racing good. event itself is fun, but is it kind of weird to start destroying your uh, your infield? With that, gra- that grass costs so much money to maintain <laughs> for three yeah. months, and then within 20 minutes a bulldozer kills it. We have a guy on our team. His name is Jason Griffith. Uh, we got him from the Boston Red Sox. He's a... Uh, He's, he's our groundskeeper, and that is his baby. And the other night, or last night, when Daniel Suarez dug up half the yeah. half the, but the infield. Y'all can't come in there and just kind of swipe it off and sell it for sod? Or? Oh, no. Oh, no. no. He doesn't sell You're it. just going to come plow that right up. Plow it up. Well, it's, it's ryegrass, so it, it dies. So, I mean, all that, it's not painted. It's two different colors of, of ryegrass. Really? And he hand seeds all of it. That's so weird. So, he, uh, November 15th, he, he actually lays it all out, and he hand seeds the entire field. Hmm. But Guys, that's a good idea. You could you could cut the sod up and sell it. It's I mean, ryegrass. It's gonna it die. It seems like die. there's some money you think to be saved or made. <laughs> yeah, no. We've been real thrifty in retirement. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's, already, he's looking for his next business. I'll sell it to you right now. Well, I don't want to buy. It. I'm just <laughs> well, trying to help you. Well, save a little money. Thank you. Yes. You're hey, always. I, I gotta ask. Of all your anxiety that comes through speed weeks, are you a little concerned about the flag waver or no? You good, you good on that? That is my biggest point of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> is there, like, week, is there like some way that it's tethered to me? I'm thinking that like if we have a glove that like we just, stick it in and then you hold it. Can I just have some duct tape that I can wrap around? <laughs> Your form, it looks like you've been working them out. No. <laughs> no. Well, I mean like you've been waving practice. It's practice. all natural. Don't let me <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I'm excited you're going to do this. I can't wait to like see your reaction 
when those cars come by the first. Have you ever been up on a flex scene? I was it? wondering. Um, I'm sure. So they're going to be coming by not at full speed the first time, obviously, as they're accelerating to get the green. But I was wondering if I was able yes. to stay there for the next. You path. can stay as long as you want. Really? Yes. You mean that? I, as long as you want to stay. I don't think he's. I, I don't think that's true. That, that, I, I that know he would know before I would, but I'm saying is at some point you wear out your welcome but with the actual yeah. NASCAR officials. That's how, that's how not you. if I'm dressed like them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Like, what if I'm wearing a helmet too? Oh. How, do, how do they know who's who? That's true. Like, there's like two of them up there. I could be impersonating the other guy and be like, when's this guy going to leave? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's, or, and, and it's the first race of the season. They yeah. don't know. It's they the don't. new guy. It's the new guy. It's hey, the new guy. All right, you wave the green flag. We'll see you. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you need to stay up because you don't realize that flag stand actually is, is pretty over. far over the racetrack. Oh, man. And, and it's banked, so when you, you're looking at it, you're like, that's not that bad. You get up there, and you're like, oh, 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 I'm going to – I don't like it. It's banked. It is banked. It leans down. It is uncomfortable. Oh, wow. You'll be fine. Nothing okay. could go wrong. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong. Yeah. But I, I do think he has in mind the uh, – I mean, because you just can't do – No, you got – no, 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 no. Let's not build it up. No, no, we're All building right. it up. Let's, let's not Chip build and it I can. Let's not build it up. I know. It's a, it's a big role. So – we got to figure out what you're doing next year. I already got your job. What is it? Um, I was feeling like this could no, be, this is this not could it. be this the is end of the line. I, 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 I got to sell you on this a little bit, but I, this is not the end of the line. Next year, you're just going to be the president. Of the track. Like for, the, for like 60 days. No. That's a great idea. Feels like you're not telling us something. Yeah. Feels so like, when you feels like so when you need those last 30% of the tickets sold, that's when you won't <laughs> let right. up in there. Well, and, and, and when Ricky texts you that his dog ate the yeah. tickets. Yeah. Uh, I got to handle that. Yeah, and, and parking passes. Everybody wants a parking yeah. pass. It's all things you'll learn. It's great. I'm, no, this is not the end of the I'm, road. We got some other things for you to do. I'm, I, well, I'm, we'll can you figure give us out. an idea? No, we got to think about it. Like oh, so we got to talk about. It. Okay, you really think? I know what this is like. It's like I got this idea, but Dale, the, it, no way is he going to agree to it in the way I've got it teed up in my head. So I got to work on it. I thought the president thing bit. was a good one. For ah, I could be there for a couple days. Not yeah, six, like the whole week. Like it'd be the so whole fun. Week? My <laughs> hey. wife is not going to like that idea. What if what if we got a nice beach house for y'all to stay in? Then she'd like that idea. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. I think it's a good idea. be president. Nah, man, sounds like yeah. a lot of fun. I got to ask you, um, you know, what the final, I guess the last thing I want to know is when the race begins, all yes, right, what, what is your role from that moment on? Uh, I mean, obviously, we, I'm up in race control with, uh, with NASCAR, or we have a group up there that, you know, in the event that they need fence repair, they need stuff like that, we got to make. still like, on the button, you're ready oh, to rock. Yes, sir. Yeah. So yeah, you don't get to actually sit back and. Yeah, <laughs> 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 no, I wish, man. That'd be awesome. No, I mean, so. Are you so, thinking this president? So, idea, yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. Well, you could. Like, if you were, you could do whatever you want. You're the president. <laughs> you, get, you make new rules. Yeah, that's I'm, right. No, Rule I'm number be one. Like, I'm gonna, I, I get to watch the race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to the suite with the beer. <laughs> no, so Clay Campbell is. is uh, he comes down and helps in race control, but like last night with uh, with the rain, Steve O'Donnell called and said, "Hey, come up. We just need to make some decisions." Uh, we run around. I go try to spend a lot of time in the in the stands talking to fans, uh, just trying to understand what what they're doing um, and what they want. And we we I call about between ten and fifteen race fans every week. Mm. So we get our you customers. You know what you're missing. <laughs> you, you know what you, you know what the hell you need to do with all this is this is reality TV. Like you need to you need to build a TV show around <laughs> your last 
60 days before the Daytona 500. It would, it would, you, it would have to be like, I think it'd be like NC17 because uh, there's a lot of customers oh, you, having it. Yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah, but all the things that the, like, it, dude, it would be that, the, the dog ate the tickets. That's an episode. That, that That's is, an entire episode just, right no, there. I'm telling you that, that there, there's a hundred stories like that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Leading up, you know, leading up to the. It, to the it big is. Race. Uh, hey, for no other reason than if he's actually talking to ten I or fifteen know. fans a week, can you imagine what they say to him? I mean, if yeah. you an opportunity to talk to the president. Then well, hey, Lisa, Lisa France Kennedy calls ten to fifteen people a week. So we get a customer list uh, of people who bought. My thought is, every time you see a three eight six number, if you're buying tickets, you don't want it to be a sales call. So when I call and say, "Hey, my name's Chip Weil. I work at the racetrack. Uh, I just want to thank you for the business." They think it's a joke. They're like, "What?" And they don't. Some of them don't know how to react. And like, listen, you're the reason we have the opportunity to work here yeah. is because of you. And so we want to make sure that we're doing our job and listening to you. Is there anything that we can do? And we learn a lot of stuff. Sometimes it's a five-minute call. Sometimes they don't tell you stories for 30 minutes, that's and that's right. fine. I love that. What's that's the great. pre-race show this week? So we got Darius Rucker doing the, really? the pre. Yeah, that's yeah. Really awesome. he, and you know he's good buddies with uh, Jimmy. Everybody. He's really yeah. good buddies with everybody. Is he good buddies yeah. with you? <laughs> he is. Is he good, dude? I think pretty much most of the people in the garage are, are pals. But it's yeah. Darius Rucker. Yeah. yeah I, I, so Darius is playing. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. So and it made literally it, he answered the question in two days. It, it's hard. It's hard to get talent because this time of year, as you know, everybody's taking a little bit of time. Yeah. And we, we sent the offer, and it was signed in two days. So he's excited about being here. He's a you know, big NASCAR fan. Yes. Um, and then, you know, we'll have a bunch of celebrities here. I guess Seamus, he's a, he's a, a wrestler. Hmm. Uh, he's Just driving the pace like car. He, he's no Dale Jr. You know what you need? What's that? You need a guy that jumps a school bus into a <laughs> pile of old cars. You remember Jimmy the Flying Greek? Yes. 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 You've got to bring back some stunts. <laughs> Well, I'm not. I, mean, I know you had. The what about guys, my grass, guys man? Jumping motor- guy, you know, I know yeah. you had the motorcycle guys, some Monster yeah. Energy, whatevers. Um, you can't care about your grass if you bring in Jimmy the Flying. Well, that, that's it, right? Yeah, like, right. But, yeah, we had well, it's going to be tore up anyways. You might as well have <laughs> right. Jimmy yeah. start the process. Yeah, I mean, fair Jimmy, point. Just go ahead and get going. Jimmy the Flying Greek, if, if, <laughs> yeah. if not the real one, right? Yeah. yeah. Did you see Bubba Wallace jumped out of an airplane yes. and landed yesterday? Why didn't you do that? They wanted me to do it. Why? Oh, we could have it. You could introduce him. And the driver's introductions that oh, way. And then he just landed. Yeah. Remember, there's like. You should have the, all the drivers jumping out of planes. Man, next year when you're Parachuting in. <laughs> when as you're introducing. Yes. Bubba Wallace starting 18. It's easy for you to say that now that you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> hey, 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 let me just taste it. He doesn't know this, but we actually did have a sponsor that one time had that idea. They were the title sponsor of the race, but they were also a PSA partner of ours. Yeah. And they thought that him skydiving was a good idea to, to d- deliver himself to the car. Well, I do that wrong? every day. No, right, right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. I mean, now it's, now it's, it's his idea. Yeah, well, it, like I said, it's a lot easier. when I'm doing, Like, it, the challenge is we'll have like 30,000 people out there, so if he misses it, he's going to run into it. It's not a good We've idea. seen that, by the way. I mean, I remember that Rockingham that year. Yes, uh, we were talking that? about that last Y'all week. Y'all remember the, they what bounced was it, a couple years ago, the guy got hung up on the fence. In Richmond. Yes. <laughs> he got hung up on the fence, standing there, yeah. holding around. I mean, y'all were laughing. I guess it was such well, a funny was, event, right? It, it was <laughs> funny when it's not your race. He was, uh, he was, once we realized that he was unhurt, I <laughs> yeah. got Then we laughed. Yeah. Are you okay? Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's laugh. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate you coming on, hey, Chip. Always. You're a uh, you're one of the best promoters. Well, you are. <laughs> Thanks for calling me a promoter. I appreciate you, you coming on, man. Hey, you're gonna Thank like you. this. It's gonna be a great weekend. Oh, can't yeah, wait. Is an old Bill Davis racing guy. Yeah. Uh, on the download in the next month, we've got both 
Mike Skinner and Ward Burton coming on uh, to uh, to our Dale Jr. download. So uh, you get ready for that. Oh my! Oh my! Yes. God. You, yeah. He used to be these, the PR guy for all these guys. Right? All these well, no, no, in fairness, we'll be calling like, you for questions. Oh, I man. have so many. I have so many things to talk to you guys about. Uh, we need them to leave and turn that off. Enjoy your week. Thank you. We will. See you, pal. All right. Where's we got, Tim at? There he is. There he comes. So we got one more special treat here on this bonus episode yeah. of the Dell Jr. Download. We've got Tim Duggar. Hey. Tim Duggar, everybody. Tim Duggar. Tim is a... Tim's a country music artist from Nashville, great friend of mine. Tim's got a new album out. Uh, tell us the name of the record. It's called Signs of a Good Time. Uh, we have been releasing a single over the past uh, two months. We just had one come out last night, kind of building up for the release in April. Uh, pretty excited about it. I haven't had music out in five years. I've kind of taken the last five years to play a lot of races and write a lot of songs and kind of figure out what I wanted to say and uh, grow up a little bit drink a little bit more and yeah. uh, figure things out. We have been drinking. Um, <laughs> so you, you talked about it. You've been playing the racetracks, and, and uh, I see you quite often throughout the race uh, schedule. Uh, can you even name all the racetracks that you've played over the last several years? I bet you I've played 100 races in the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, from, from sprint car races to, you know, more NASCAR than anything, but – it's funny, I uh, started playing so many NASCAR races, and then the dirt guys uh, kind of started calling, so I've gotten to do the Knoxville Nationals the last two years, and um, I, I actually got my introduced to the uh, owner of my record label by playing the Fan Zone here in Daytona in 2011. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, that's Na- how you NASCAR. met your, the owner of your record label. I did in the yeah. infield of a yeah. NASCAR racetrack. Yep. There was a truck race going on, and I'd played the Fan Zone. And Mike Dillon called me. He's like, Duggar, there's a, there's a Curb Records down here. You need to get down here. So I took off running uh, from the bus and, uh, and made it down here and shook hands, gave him a CD. And probably two months later, I, had, I was in Nashville having a meeting. Signed to Curb Records. Yep. So you got a new record coming out. And, and uh, all, you know, we're, as friends of yours, we're all super excited about it. And we know you've been working really hard on this. Um, what does that process mean for you going forward? Uh, you, you just released a second single off of the record today called Circles, and I've heard, you know, you played that song for me uh, a while back, and it's funny because he plays a song, and he's like, before you listen to this, I just want you to know I wrote this just kind of goof, goofing off, right? Don't, you know, see, he thinks every song is supposed to be super serious, and it's supposed to hit you right in the heart, but this was just kind of a fun song to have a, little, have a good time with, drink beer with. Ends up being one of my favorite songs that he ever wrote, and You've had this song or sat on this song for over a year. Yeah, it's probably been longer than, longer than that, really. Yeah. I uh, When I wrote it, I was afraid to let anybody hear it. I was like, I, <laughs> I don't know. This might be the end. You I was were, like, I, was like I, just wrote a song, I just wrote a song about a shape. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, but the guy I wrote it with, uh, Jim Beavers, <laughs> wrote Red Solo Cup, uh, wrote a lot of wrote 5150, a lot of kind of funny songs. Um, and uh, I grew up a big, like, the only way I could l- learn something in school was putting it in a song. Yeah. So, I mean, I still know all the schoolhouse rock and all that, you know, little songs that goes along with that. And so I wanted uh-huh. to make an adult version of that <laughs> that I didn't want anybody to ever hear. But yeah. uh, Dale, like, was all the time 
when are you going to release that song? I was like, I don't think ever. And <laughs> today, here it is. I just want to, I want you to hear something here. And I don't, I don't typically do this. He does, but Dale and I are texting today, okay? okay? Yeah. Listen to this. We're texting about, you know, the show. And, you know, we're doing it. We want to do good for Chevrolet. You know, get a little pressure and all that stuff. And it's like, I'm, I'm trying to meet with him. Uh, and he goes, uh, we'll meet at noon or whatever. And, he, and I said, sounds great. And he goes, you know what sounds great? Tim's new song, Circles. <laughs> Take a listen. And then I'm like, yeah, is that the song with Earnhardt in it? I love that song. He's like, it's not. It's a new song, damn it. Hence the word new in my first text. It's just released today, Mike. And I said, this is a great time to talk about this. <laughs> and then he adds, friends don't text friends old songs and pass them off as new ones. <laughs> <laughs> this was right before we got here. That's awesome. <laughs> but that's how much Dale likes this new song, Circles. Yeah. And it, it is new. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell you, now, Dale has, I've sent stuff that I, I was really excited about. Dale's like kind of into all kind of music, and he, I like his bluntness, but sometimes <laughs> I don't like it when I'm like, man, I, this, and, this is going to make you cry. And he's like, I don't like it. I don't get it. And I was like, uh. And then I'm like, I'll write one. I'm like, I don't even want to send this to him because I, I don't need the negativity in my life. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, when he he likes one, especially you know when you, uh, I grew up a race fan and uh, still still a big race fan. And uh, when you get you know a song like the the first song that came out, you know I still miss Iron Heart and all these uh, things that I'm into and, and I like and I care about. And uh, to get you know, Dale liking it, and you were able to be there in, in Nashville when we uh, played it for the label and had a little event. It's uh, really cool, and I appreciate it. Yeah, I can't, I can't be anything but honest when it comes to music. Uh, it's been a big part of my life, and I've had a lot of friends that I've met that are musicians, and some of them were not friends anymore because they don't like my honesty. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, I don't, I don't want to be that friend that's like, everything's good, everything you do, man. You know, I want <laughs> if you're sending it to me, you're sending it to me for real honest feedback. Yeah. And I'm not a musician, and you know how to read between the, the you know, the criticism. Yeah. But um, We'll go back and forth on songs. We will. Sometimes I'll be like, nah, man, this sounds like something that would have been played in Hollister back, yeah. back in <laughs> high school. I'm, I'm not I know. that. <laughs> I'll send him some music, and he'll be like, I don't like that. That's terrible. Every but now and then, though, though yeah. I'm like, I, I can get on that. I'm kind of in, in, in my little country box, but I get get out he outside does. of it every now and then man this new record has so much great content on it i know you're excited about getting the entire record out there to the public um what is part of that process i know you're you know you're active on social media you have a plan your record label has a plan on how this is released and in a timely manner and eventually the entire record will be available but what will you do boots on the ground over the next year two years to get this record out there to the public well you know it's um it's a long process. It, I, I get tweeted or you know messaged online like, "When are you releasing music over the last couple of years?" And I actually don't have that say so. Um, but I also knew I didn't want to. You know, this music's a, kind of the first stuff I've ever had that I'm like, I, I, I'll own this. This is yeah. this is me. This is. Uh, I feel you know I, I had kind of more hands on uh, when I first got signed. I was kind of kind of threw in there and hey, this songs you're gonna do and this is who you're gonna work with and. Um, over the last couple of years, I'm like, I, I'm going to write. I'm going to work with who I want to work with. And at least at the end of the day, I can go, well, this music's me. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of what you want. But uh, I, got, I got a lot of great things going on right now. Just uh, some announcements over the next couple of weeks. Uh, 
uh, working with an agency. I've never worked with I actually book myself 99% of the time, me. And sometimes when somebody calls, I will give them another email and I'll change my voice or something. I'm like, yeah, this is Tim Duggar's agent. Yeah. So yeah, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been really, really uh, having to hustle over the last couple of years because uh, when you don't have, I mean, your singer needs a song, and when you haven't had music out and and you're trying to go out and play shows, and uh, you know that's why the the racing has helped me so much because it's um, it's been a really cool cool way how it's developed and how many uh, racetracks I get to play and. Um, you know, we got Bristol coming up here in a couple couple weeks, well, a couple months, and I got a couple more uh, NASCAR sh- shows that's going to be announced soon. But um, as for the record, we're really, you know, kind of building it slowly, not trying to go uh, guns a-blazing, just, you know, get people. A lot of people doesn't don't know my music because uh, it's, you know, I haven't had any music out and really kind of want to want to get them to know who I am. So we got a lot of content coming out and um, – I want uh, I want to be honest with my music. That's why I'm, you know I'm I'm not that serious sometimes. <laughs> so that's why circles kind of made sense to you know after the real serious look at me I love mama. Here's a here's a song about a shape, yeah. <laughs> which probably was the one that made him cry. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, when you talk about rectangles, I really felt that. <laughs> <laughs> That's hitting it right here in the fields. <laughs> well, man, I'm really excited for you. Thanks for coming on the show to no, talk man. about your music, and uh, I know this record is going to be uh, uh, great for you and great for a lot of music fans over over the next several several years, and at least in the next several months, we're getting a lot of great music coming out from you, and, and uh, it's exciting times. I'm a little nervous because it's probably going to mean you're going to get busy. We're going to be hanging out less, but yeah. I'm proud of you and excited yeah, for, your, uh, for I, your year, man. I Thanks for the support. I watch y'all. I record it, and we text about your, you know, the podcast and everything. Yep. So glad to finally be on here. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, buddy. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you, everybody. We're going to wrap it. Listen, we're going to end with Tim Duggar and uh, appreciate Chevrolet for hosting us again. I know we're going to say this a bunch, but Jim Campbell and the whole team, uh, has been just been fantastic and then you guys that came and joined us listen we're not real good and we're not polished but we just this is what we do every week on the dale jr download and uh so check us out if you haven't already dirty mo media uh we're on social media so you can find that and dale what do you, what do you got for our last word i feel like we're pretty good uh, <laughs> i think we're good Yo, you, you, is that what you and matthew were just looking we're like wait a second did he just he say, say we, we're not good kind of suck i that? um you know it's a lot of fun uh we usually hardly ever do any extra content uh outside of the weekly podcast so this is a great way for us to put together something fun and unique thanks to chevrolet for allowing us to do that here in daytona uh, i know our our listeners are going to love it yep. um yeah just make sure uh to be able to see clips of this visual uh video clips of this to subscribe to dirty mode media on our youtube channel uh and it's gonna be a lot of fun all right thank, thank you. you everybody take care have a good weekend and here, and, <laughs> we just pass it. And to close us out, here is the song from Tim Duggar, Circles. A lot of the bubbles floating in my bed. Like a bobble when I'm fishing off the pier Circles Like a quarter in the jukebox Dropped at the Waffle House 
Everywhere I look around, I see circles, circles. Like the wheels on my truck and the radio dial. Left hand turns of a NASCAR mile. Girls on the dance floor spinning around. The moon coming up, sun going down. Rain on the finger, rain on the bar. A hole in the middle of my old guitar. The world is a ball, y'all. It's all about circles. This bit of badassery was made by Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo.